0: Don't
2: miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. Hello and welcome to Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. Uh, We are going to step into the ring in this episode to meet a man who is on the cusp of fulfilling his lifelong mission, that is, to become a world champion. Uh, a dream he says he remembers having at the age of seven. And over the years, plenty have said that he couldn't do it, that he wouldn't even go close, but he has persevered. And at times through great adversity, which we'll hear more about over the next hour or so Uh, as a teenager in the early days of his career, he says he had three goals in mind. Firstly to fight Mundine and to beat him. And he's done that. Secondly, Uh, To have the famous voice of Michael Buffer as a ring announcer. Well, he's done that as well. In fact, more than once. And thirdly, it was to win a world title. He's currently ranked number two, uh, but in a matter of weeks from now, has a chance to tick off that third goal. Our guest is boxing champion, Michael Zarafa, a.k.a. Pretty Boy. Hello, Michael. How are you? G'day, mate. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, Let's start with the present, because I know that's probably all you're thinking about. Uh, At the moment, you've got the biggest bout of your career coming up. So we do appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk to us when you're so in the zone. How is the prep going?
0: Yeah, training is going unreal. You know, we're exactly where we want to be. I'm pushing the body. The mind is a a big factor in this fight. But, um, you know, we're exactly where we want to be, training two, three times a day, seven days a week. Um, You know, like I said, you know, that dream was at seven years old and in a few months... I get to fulfill that, you know, and get the opportunity to jump in the ring with one of the best in the world and, and, um, you know, go 12 rounds and hopefully get my hand raised.
2: What would meaning, uh, what would winning mean to you?
0: It's literally everything to me. I've, uh, dedicated my absolute whole life to this sport. You know, I dropped out of school, you know, I didn't, didn't work because I had one dream and that was to be a world champion. And like I said, in a few weeks, you know, I get to, I get to step in the ring and, um, you know, put that all on the line, and, and it's been what twenty three years now. So hopefully, it's uh, it's all yeah. worth it. And in my eyes, you know, I've always it's inevitable for me. It was always going to happen. You know, at seven years old, I told my mum and dad, I said I'm going to be a world champion. I'm going to sell out stadiums and and have more money than I can dream of. And you know, <laughs> twenty three years later, and I, I get to live that. So it's um. It's it, been a long, almost there. Yeah, it's been a long a long journey, a very sad and and tough one. But um yep. you know hard work pays off. I truly believe it does. And and this is my, this I was destined for this. 23 years Um, I've been in the, in the making, you know, for me, it was inevitable. It was always going to happen. You know, my slogan's BFG and that, that was born for greatness, you know, and, and I've always yeah. stuck by that. Uh, you know, many have doubted me, but again, I just put my, put my head down and, um, and just prove them wrong. I love being the underdog. There's no pressure.
2: You seem to feed on that.
0: I love it. I love it. You know, there's so many people <laughs> that tell me, you know, you're not good enough. You're not fast enough. You're not skillful enough. And, I just say, you know, buy buy a ticket and, and make sure you get front row seats because um, I'm about to shock the world yet again. I've done it many times, yep. you know, beating former world champion, you know Jeff Horn, and, and fought the best in the world and beaten some of the best in the world. And every time I've stepped in the ring, I've had everyone doubt me, and uh, that's the best way to be. I love it.
2: So you're seven years old when you declare to your your mum and dad that yeah. this is going to happen. You're going to be a world. So let's go back. Let's go back to you as a as a youngster, you know, the the primary school yard, Michael Zarafa, I mean, what sort of a kid were you? In
0: I was always up to no good. That you, that my you mom, remember. Yeah, well, I was always <laughs> up to no good. Me and my mum, we always talk about it. We sit down with the family around the table and we just go around stories as, as, as a kid. And my mum said, whenever I was quiet, I was always up to something. You know, I was always adventurous. You know, she'd come in the backyard, she'd think I'd be playing outside, but she'd find me four or five houses down. You know, I've jumped the fence and and I'm always up to no good. I'd be swimming in my neighbor's pool, you know, because it was a hot day. And, um, <laughs> so harmless said, stuff. But just harmless stuff, yeah. I was never never a troublemaker. I was just always, you give me, you know, a piece of string and and a stick and I'll, I'd make something crazy out of it. But for me, <laughs> she said, you know, you're, you're, you're a blessing and you always have to stand out. I was always the black sheep. If everyone went left, I'd have to go right. You know, I never wanted to be like everybody yeah. else. And um, as a seven-year-old kid, I was just watching Roy James Jr. and I just I said to myself, all they, all they got is a bit of discipline, a bit of dedication, which... I knew I could have, you know, to have, you know, a world title around my waist and have more money than I could ever think of and, and give back to, the, you know, my family and friends. And that was always my dream, you know, to to buy my mum my that house and, you know, to drive nice cars and, you know, live that yes. lifestyle. Because as a kid, it was pretty tough for me, you know. Like, we never got given those things. My parents were just, you know, everyday Joe blows. You know, we were never rich. Uh, we did what we had to do just to get by. And, you know, I never got to live that exciting life. So I said, you know, yeah. what if I... Put my head down, show a bit of discipline, did a bit of did a dedication. I could, I could get there, and I never look back. I said to my mum at seven years old, so "I'm going to be a world champion." And um, every day, no matter how hard it's been, uh, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, I've just always gone back to that that seven year old that promised himself a world title. And um, and. and-
2: can I ask what did you what did your mum and dad say when you declared that it said? Did they just laugh <laughs> oh, it off?
0: Yeah, they just laughed it off. Mine was just, yeah, she's a, she's crazy. She's a little Maltese lady. She um <laughs> she said you're staying in school and, and you're becoming a doctor like every other one. Every, <laughs> everyone else's mum. But um, you know, looked up and good. We've had ups and downs. You know, there was a time where it was it was really tough. And um, you know, and again, I don't think they believed in me at certain times of my, my career, but um, yeah, as long as I believe in myself and that's what I try to tell everybody else as long as you believe in yourself it doesn't matter what other people's opinions mean you know you're putting in the work you know, you're ticking off all those boxes every time I get in the ring I make sure that I've done everything right and no mm-hmm. stones been left unturned and I just remind myself I literally talk to myself round by round and just say man one more round one more round we're, we're nearly there and um, you know, now I'm number number two in the world fighting for the world title and it's a dream come true
2: Yeah. So in terms of your your really like primal motivation here, you know, you mentioned money and having nice cars, providing for your family, but also proving people wrong, um, you know, multiple motivations there. But what is it that really, you know, gets you through those hard days of training and the struggles? What is that that sits at the top of the pile there is, you know, yes, this is why I have to keep going and this is why I have to do it?
0: For me, honestly, it's never been about me. Um, if, it were, if, it, if I was fighting for myself, I would have retired years ago. Um, for me, and I say this all the time, I fight for, for others. Um, you know, for, for the days I get up in the morning and I say, you know, I'm tired and I can't be bothered. And then I, I sit there and, and reflect and, and say how grateful I am because there's guys that unfortunately don't get the opportunities I've been given. Um, you know, there's kids with disabilities. Um, you know, there's people that are blind. Um, you know, and then for me to say that I can't be bothered, I'm tired. It's just so selfish. So for me, i fight for those that can't and, um, yep. you know, people, I just want to make, uh, you know, like a dream to those that want to do the same thing I want to do.
2: As a kid then, uh, Michael, you know, it's all, all very well to say that and have that, um, that dream from the age of, of seven, but when did it actually, uh, start? When did you first get the gloves on and get in the ring and, and get a love for boxing specifically?
0: Uh, seven years old, I walked into my boxing yeah. gym and so you're I put in my the first pair of boxing gloves on. And seven years old, and I said to myself, I said, as soon as I put them on, I said, they're staying on, and, and this is this is where I want to be. <laughs> it's it's where, it's where boys become men. I truly believe that. Um, you know the dis- the discipline, the dedication that's involved, the sacrifice. Um, you know it's it's all in or nothing, and uh, yeah. I love that. You know you can't play boxing. You can play football. You can play soccer, but you can't play boxing, and. Mm. Um, it's a solo sport and it's you know you got to go in there and 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 do it all on your own and um, yeah. i love that about the sport
2: as a as a kid though you know learning how to box and take care of yourself you know if you had to um did it change the dynamics in the schoolyard at all you know, when you yeah.
0: sort of yeah <laughs> 100% where when where I'm from if you if you couldn't fight you know you wouldn't survive and um really? you know my mum always taught me she said never start it but always finish it and, um yep. to this day, I've always <laughs> stuck by that. you know, I'll never start a fight, but I'll make sure I'll always finish it and um i've just I've always just been you know a humble kid, um you know just grateful for what I have, and um you know, it took a long time to get like that you know, I had a lot of adversities, mm. you know I suffered uh, a big time with you know mental health, and um you know recently i've been trying to i uh, trying to get that out there because it plays a huge role and, and um and people don't talk enough you know we as men we're um you know, we 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 care too much about what people say. You know, as men, we're, we're not meant to talk. You know, we're sooks if we talk or speak out. Yeah. And I was one of those guys, and I always say I'd rather call my mate a sook than have to bury him or, or go to his funeral. So, you know, for me, I, to get over that was, was tough and very very difficult. But um, I just kept telling myself, you know, the end of end of a bad day, a bad day can only last twenty four hours. At the end of it, end of this day is a new day. Um, you know, same goal. Just different mindset, you know, and mm-hmm. I just remind myself that every single day that eventually it all pay off. And mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I've twenty twenty three years later, I'm in this position, and I've worked my absolute butt off to get where I'm at. You know, I have fought thirty five people, I fought eight world champions, been all around the world, and I've I've had that many training sessions. I can't even I can't even count on you know. So yeah, it all pays off
2: and just you know going back to the to the schoolyard when you first uh, started out you know never never start it, but always finish it um once you did start to uh, develop your skills as a as a boxer did it actually make you a bit of a target
0: uh, uh, in, yeah. in
2: the yard as well because people wanted to prove themselves against you or, or you know yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. Of vibe.
0: even to this day I'll be walking around at the shopping center and, and people want to people want to go yeah I was <laughs> like you know like they'll be like oh, really? you're that, yeah you're that Zarafa guy and like, let's go one on one and I'm just like you know, like, <laughs> where's your parents? You know what I mean? Like, they're 15-year-old kids. But um, I, I, it's, it's, as I've gotten older and, and you know, that target was always on me, I just learned how to deal with it, just shrug it off. You know, like, if they knew better, they'd be doing better. You know, fighting doesn't solve anything.
1: Yeah.
2: You, you sound quite philosophical, Michael, almost like you have to have a, a philosophy of your own to kind of uh, make sense of where you are and why you're doing what you're doing. Um, has that always been a part of you as well? Have you always been a, a thinker?
0: Yeah, I, I guess I, I from from, from much as I can remember, I've always been you know that kind of person where, you know, I'm really about God and 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 give back kind of guy and each one teach one and you know I I feel like God's using me to help others, um, you know, to whether it be for fitness, whether it be you know for goal driven, whether it be mental health, whether it be any. Any form of, you know, helping somebody, I feel like that's why he's put me in this situation.
2: Yeah. Let's uh, let's go to your your debut uh, professional bout here, Michael. Um, we've just got a bit of um, audio. This is uh, from you uh, knocking out your opponent. Um, let's uh, let's have a listen.
1: Oh, and those oh, knockout uh, This could be all over. Six. I don't think seven, he's getting up. Eight. Hey. Nine, all over. Zarafa wings in the first round. What an exciting debut!
0: was literally tired before i even walked out there how much i was sweating and how yeah. much i built up in my head you know because in my i was telling myself like this is it this is the start of my professional boxing career and you know the first of many but you know to walk out there and i think i was fighting in a, in a stadium well not even it was like a like a little town hall with like a thousand people you know and i was like this, this, i've made it you know and then i went in the ring and i remember being in there and just looking at him thinking oh my god what am i doing in here you know i was so nervous um I just said just stay relaxed and then it didn't go very long. I think I knocked him out in the first or second round and um the excitement was through the roof. Um I think I over-exaggerated just a little bit. I think I pulled a hammy, <laughs> how much I was jumping around the ring. But um I just knew that was that was for me the moment where I was like, this is it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna make noise. And yep. I never I never looked back and every time I got in the ring, I was like, it's the hurt business, it's kill or be killed. And as I got mm. older, you know, at 18 years old, I didn't have that mindset. I was just going through the motions. But now, uh, I'm a different beast. You know, I get in the ring, and you know, I want to hurt you. And that's yeah, sadly, that's how it is.
2: It's a it's a primal state to be
0: in, isn't it? It's crazy. You know, sometimes I live yeah. there, and, and just the focus you got to have. Like even when I walk out to the ring, people see me, and they're like, "This is not the same Zarefar." I know outside the ring. You know, you're an absolute beast in there. You don't even blink. I said, you know, there's there's a job to do. You know, before yeah. the fight, I, I, I don't. I don't really want to know my opponent. I don't care what he has to say. After the fight, we could be mates. But during the fight, I want to hurt you. And um, if you don't have that mindset, I feel like you're not gonna. You can't go far in this sport. You know, you're in there fighting. You know, you've got to go in there. Like I said, you can't play this sport. You can't play boxing. You got to go in there and, and make a statement. And uh, you got to hurt him before he hurts you.
2: Yeah. How do, you, how do you switch those so seamlessly? Because they're so extreme, aren't they? And one axe one, uh, doesn't belong in the other. You know, all the things you're trying to do, as you say, you're trying to hurt your opponent, trying to cause them pain. That doesn't translate as being acceptable outside of the ring. So how do you how do you just turn one off and switch the other
0: one on? So it took me a lot of years to try to figure out how to get like that. But for me, it's it's trying to be present and in anything in life um, that you do, even trying to run a business or, you know, another sport, being present is the key to success. Um, you know, if you, if you think about the past, you'll, you'll be depressed. You start losing your mind. You start thinking about other things. I could have, I should have, why didn't I? And if you think about the future, you start giving yourself anxiety because you're starting to try to change that what ifs and you start doing your own head in. So for me, I just focus on being present literally at the time that I'm walking out is the time that I'm thinking the time I'm in the ring is what I'm thinking. And, and round by round, I'm just focused on that very, very moment. You know, I'm feeling the inside of my gloves. I feel the silk in the inside of the gloves. You know, I see the sweat drop off his head as we go face to face, you know, reminding myself of these little one percenters, these one little things. That's how I stay present. And each round I do that. And you, f- you know, if you do that for 12 rounds, the fight's over, you know, yep. when I'm not getting caught up in the crowd and, you know, and what's going on and he's done this and he's done that. And I'm just focusing on me. It's like driving. You know, if you're in a car and you're worrying about what everyone else is doing on the road, you will go mad. You know, you get in the car and you focus on what you've got to do and you stay focused, you stay calm, you stay relaxed, and you get the job done.
2: Yeah. It's a good way to be. I yeah, know of that when I'm behind the wheel. It took
0: me, me a long sure. time to get there, but <laughs> you know, it's 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 yeah, it's just the the key to success is just being being present. Yeah. Um,
2: we need to uh, take a break in just a moment, Michael. After that, um, I want to ask you about that, uh, that horrible episode uh, in your life where your sparring partner uh, yeah. collapsed after a, a session and, and passed away, which uh, really shocked the boxing community in Australia um, at the time. But just before we go to the break, I have to ask, pretty boy.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, uh... your,
2: your other name, where did, where did that start?
0: I tried to shake it off, you know, for, for so many years, but I just couldn't get rid of it. They they gave it to me in my first amateur fight. They um they said, Michael Zarafa, you know, very pretty, the pretty boy. You know, he's very neat to watch. And it just stuck. I had the same ring announcer every single time. And I was like, why can't you give me, like, the Destroyer or the, or the Bomber or something, you know, Terminator or, you know, something dangerous. But it just stuck. And then, um, funny enough, when I turned professional, the ring announcer was still the same. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he just kept announcing me, Michael, the pretty boy Zarafa, And, yeah, I just couldn't get rid of it. And, uh, yeah, 30 and the so harder you later. try it, the more it's stuck. Yeah, the, and now I'm just rolling with it. I'll just chuck on some fancy shades, a nice suit. And we'll just chuck a yeah. cheeky smile in the press conference and we'll just roll with it. But it's definitely not for my looks, um, sadly. <laughs> sadly.
2: Well, mate, I've got to say for someone who's been in the ring as much as as you, you know, your nose still looks pretty straight. Your eye hasn't sort of (laughs) dropped over and sort of compressed and and collapsed since. So you're all intact, mate. So I think you can still wear it. Um, We need to take a break, Michael. We'll get uh, into more of your story right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things
1: are everything.
2: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories Boxing Chat. Michael Zarafa is my special guest uh, who, in a matter of weeks, uh, is going to hopefully fulfil his lifelong ambition and claim a world title. Uh, he's, uh, he's not quite there yet, but he is on the cusp. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, has had to uh, overcome some, uh, some pretty intense and heavy adversity uh, during his time. Um, And probably the most uh, standout moment was when uh, he lost his friend and sparring partner um, after a session in the ring. It was a moment that sent shockwaves around the boxing community uh, in Australia. Um, So, Michael, I might get you to um, to just reflect on that and and talk us through how you remember it.
0: It was uh, one of the hardest days of my life. And um, still to this day, you know, I reflect back on that moment and and just – you know, I try not to visualise it, but it's so hard because, you know, me and Dwight Ritchie uh, shared the ring and I was grateful enough to share the ring with such a talented fighter and, you know, a humble man and we we fought each other twice as amateurs and, um, you know, we're in preparation for our fights. He was fighting Tim Zhu and I was fighting Jeff Horn and, yeah, you know, he just walked in the gym one day and this particular day, and he was just a little bit off, and um, you know, we were sparring, and every time we sparred, we'd always bring a crowd. It was bigger than our fights, you know. There was so much competitiveness between him and I, and um, you know, there was there was just so much skill that um, we both shared in the ring, and everyone got around it. And this one day, you know, we just—he didn't seem right, and um, you know, sadly, he ended up collapsing mid rounds um, after a body shot and a, and a, a few punches landed, and. You know, he just sadly turned blue and we're trying to do everything we can to, to help him. You know, we tried to give him mouth-to-mouth and, you know, trying to resuscitate him. You know, the the ambulance ended up rushing in and they ended up coming back to me and they're saying, you know, we're meant to work 45 minutes, you know, we're 27 minutes in and, you know, Dwight Richie's passed and, um, you know, for me it was it was the hardest day of my life and I hope no one ever has to go through what I had to go through. Um yeah he was just like laying in the middle of the ring, blue mm-hmm. I remember him saying to me, you know like help, and um there was nothing we could do,
2: yeah, and, so um, he, he you lost him, you lost him right there in the gym
0: he literally fell in my hands, and um wow. yeah, on the floor um mid rounds, you know we were, we were punching on, we were sparring as we do, and um yeah, he just literally he wore a shot, collapsed, and um yeah, he just turned blue and it was it's tough death. to help, you know. And I was trying to rip his mouth guard. I was doing it. Our teams ran in and we're doing everything we can. And ambulance came and they we just could not revive him. And uh, yeah,
2: sadly, he passed. Uh, what, what did they end up determining as a cause of death?
0: Um, yeah, I think he had a heart attack. Um, yep. Sadly, it was just with me in the ring. They reckon if he had gone for a run that day, they would have, you know, same outcome would have happened. But You know, to go through – I've never seen someone go to that extent of, you know, dying, you know. um, It's a scary thing and, you know, some days it plays on your mind and, you know, it could have been me. And you know, remind yourself how grateful you are every day you get to wake up. So, um, yeah, but like I said, it was just a traumatic day for me. Yeah how
2: much time did you have to take away just to process all of that? Because, you know, oh, it's as heavy as it gets.
0: I was a legit a uh, week and a half, two weeks out of my fight against, you know, the big rematch with Jeff Horn. And, you know, I didn't want to let the people down. So I, was, I didn't take any days off. I was literally back in the gym the next day. And, you know, to walk in the gym and see, you know, the, his sweat marks still on, on the canvas, um, you know, it was just scary in itself, you know.
2: Yeah. You mentioned Jeff Horn there. Michael. We're going to place uh, a little more audio here. This is uh, uh, the incredible ninth round of uh, Zarafa v Horn, because you guys had uh, quite a, a tussle back and forth, didn't you? So we'll just uh, have a listen to this and get you to, uh, to, to share your thoughts on it.
1: Stenner.
0: me it was a huge achievement and um you know put me on the map and um you know the second fight unfortunately it was a a controversial loss you know i won the fight but sadly they gave it to him and um yeah to this day you know people still put a question mark on that so yeah but we give it to him you know you got to be humble in victory humble in defeat at the end of the day whether it was a win or loss on my end you know on paper he got the w but um yeah it was definitely a controversial loss and um you know I don't know if you saw the fight, but um, mm. yeah, I definitely had should have had my hand raised that night as well. Yeah.
2: Uh, can I ask, you know, in the uh, in the pre-bout um, uh, meetings, you know, where they put the boxes together, you know, you go toe-to-toe, you eyeball each other. You know, sometimes there's a bit of lip, sometimes it gets out of hand. There was obviously that one moment with um, you and um, Isaac Hardman that, uh, that definitely uh, actually became physical. But all of that, all of that banter between you guys—how real is it, and how much is that you guys just sort of trying to, um, I suppose, bring a bit of theatre to the moment and, and build the height ahead
0: of the ahead of the bout? Boxing is a business, and I say this to people, and that's why I yeah. do it so well, you know, and that's why it's turned a lot of heads. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of animosity behind me as an, as a fighter. And you know, you've got to sell it. You're, you're going into a fight game. You know, you can't have two guys about to fight saying, you know, all the best and. <laughs> and, be polite, yeah, and be polite yeah. you know so I, you got to bring a little bit of flamboyance um and i seem to just have that face that everyone wants to hit because you know i have, <laughs> I, have that, I have that with a lot of my fighters you know i had it with jeff horn i had it with tim zoo i had it with um you know isaac hardman i've had it with numerous opponents but for me i don't i don't get worked up about it i just I, I, because i'm so cheeky about it you know i've got the, the 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 grin and i just act like i don't really care um I think that really gets under their skin, but for me, it just shows their weakness. Um, you know, if I can already, if I can get under your skin by, you know, having a, having a bit of a laugh before the fight, you know, and, and, and taking a, taking a piss out of the moment, you know, it just shows that you're not really mentally that strong come fight time. So it's a kind of game I play, but, um, you know, just to get that front foot, and I did it perfectly with Isaac Hardman. Um, you know, he was talking a big game and I've knocked out everybody and this and that. And, you know, with one or two little words, you know, got under his skin and, and before you know it, he was attacking me at every press conference. He couldn't keep my name out of his mouth. And I, already, I knew I won the fight prior to, to even stepping in and, you know, showed on the night I knocked him out in round two, you know. So for hmm. me, it's, it's nothing personal, um, you know. But although Isaac Hartman, we did get pretty personal. That was um, yeah, pretty
2: – Well, that's, pretty- a, that's the thing, you know. He, so he's at one point, I think, accused you of uh, suggesting that he was racist, um, which is, you know, it, it, it's, it, that's a big call to make. And I don't know if that's considered, you know, to be crossing a line, um, you know, he said that he was going to flatten you out and, you know, he, he was coming in with a 12 and zero record and you were just going to be another notch in his, notch in his belt. Um, but like, where does the line get crossed? And when he uh, then started it, uh, the, the physical altercation between you guys at that uh, pre-bout meet, um you know, it, 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 was that genuine when, when it did get push and shove and and, and, and yeah. punches actually thrown? Was that genuine? Yeah,
0: it definitely, definitely was real. Uh, you know, people say, oh, was it for the cameras? I said, that fight was definitely real, you know, because he would be calling me three months prior to the fight, four months prior to the fight on my personal number you know, uh, uh, abusing me and saying this and saying that. Really? And I'm gonna knock you out. And, that, and that's, that's not done. That's, that's not that's, done. That's, yeah, about. yeah. Like normally, like, you know, you do it for the cameras or whatever. But, you know, he was generally calling me on my personal phone. I'm going to knock you out. You're scared. He's FaceTiming me. And I'm like, mate, the fact really? that you've got my name, you know, or my, me on your brain 24-7, <laughs> mate, I'm living rent-free in your head, you know, and he's just like, <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> shut up this and shut up that, and you'll see. I said, mate, the contract's a sign. Yeah, I'll see you April 20. And, um, you know, he talked a big game. But like I said, I said, stars make fights. I said, you you, you, you know, you've never gone where I've been. You know what I mean? And you want to go where I'm at. So for me, like I said, I just, it was water under the bridge for me. But there was times where, you know, he got a bit racist. He he, he said some stupid things. He did some dumb stuff. But uh, again, it all got settled in the ring. And that was my thing. I said, I didn't have to act like 10 men outside the ring. You know, I said, like you're doing, you know, come fight time, I'll, I'll silence you with, with a knockout. And to yeah, uh, go in there baby. and do that, yeah. And I, I kept the promise. You know, I promised the world that I was going to knock him out. You know, I had people messaging me saying, you know, please knock out Isaac like, Hardman. And I said, mate, <laughs> time's ticking. You know, I said, time's ticking. And uh, I said, skills pay the bills. And I said, brother, you're just not on my level. And that's that's not cocky. That's just confident. And, um, you know, it's very flat-footed. And he just banks on his knockout power. I said, mate, you need more than just your right hand.
2: Mate, I love yeah. your, your one-liners, Michael. Do you <laughs> listen to a lot of, you know, especially the, the rhyming stuff? Do you, I mean, do you listen to a lot of rap music? <laughs> where, where where does the poetry come
0: from? Mate, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. A lot of people, you're not the first. I get it all the time, even Fox Sports. And then I, I actually, I don't even know where I come up with half the crap. You know, there's times where <laughs> I'll re-watch it and I'm just like, I don't even know where that come from. You know, I just, I'm very quick with it. I guess I've been like that since a little kid and I'm very um, just fast on the, on the comebacks. But um, yeah, like there's a lot of things I say and I'm just like, I don't even know where that came from.
2: <laughs> but it works. Well, hey, if it, if it works, uh, run with it. 100%. With it. Um, just on that, uh, again, some of the banter. We've got another clip to show you. This is uh, Tim Zhu uh, talking about uh, having a bare knuckle fight with you. Let's take a listen. We've got this belief in ourselves. <laughs> With, with Team Zarafa, they barely even know each other, you know? And that's the reason, you know? Loyalty. The guy changes managers. The guy changes trainers every two weeks. What do you expect? You know, the fans have said, I don't, I don't really need to say say anything. The fans have said it. Uh, the only thing I'm offering him is a bare-knuckle fight. Bare-knuckle. That's all I'm offering. Bare-knuckle.
0: He had worried look in his face, in his eyes. He was sweating when I was in front of him. And then all of a sudden, the fight's off and he's found his balls. Oh, I want to fight Zarafa. Yo, oh, Zarefa, the fight's off now. All of a sudden, you want to speak up and have a bare knuckle fight. I said, man, I'm having to wait for you in the car park. No stress. But that fight's going to (laughs) happen. You know, me and that that kid, we're going to fight. I'm going to knock him out. I'm going to silence the critics and and get on with it. You know, that fight, you know, like I said, if he was Tim Smith, no one would care. Imagine if my dad was Mike Tyson. My dad was Mike Tyson. Everyone would be going crazy. But sadly, my dad's, you know, working at the airport and uh, not a former world champion. So that's life. But again, me and Team Zoo, it's the biggest fight in Australian boxing. The fight will definitely happen. You know, they've already said it's Mm. bigger than Mundine Green. Uh, You know, 80,000 people in attendance, 200,000-plus pay-per-views. That's a huge fight. Um, You know, and and Zarafazoo will be a fight that will happen in the next year.
2: Yeah, but you've got another big one uh, on your your more immediate horizon uh, that you're very much focused on. And we'll get you to, again, uh, talk us through your preparations uh, for what will be... An epic opportunity for you to claim that uh, that world championship. So let's take another break. Michael Zarafa, aka Pretty Boy, is our special guest in this episode of Inspiring Stories. I had to get it in there one more time. You can't you can't punch, you can't punch me from where you are too. So. You're too far, mate. You're too far. <laughs> more of his story right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest in this episode uh, is boxing champion, soon to be, we hope, world champion in Michael Zarafa. Michael, you mentioned um, as a a youngster you had three goals. One was to fight and to beat Anthony Mundine. Uh, The other two will revisit in just a moment, but that was your, your first of three goals, uh, and you managed to do that. We've got a little bit of audio just to uh, take you back to that moment. He's
1: got the skill he can bang, he's only been beaten by the very best in the world moments, Rafa. Look, you know, Anthony Mundine, he's stayed safe for school, he got short there, and enjoy. here comes the Raffa opening up now on Mundine, Mundine up against the ropes, just making Mundine do a bit of a test and check that he's okay to continue. Zarafa gets on the front foot again, lines up that jab, gets the jab, probing down to the body. A minute of the round one. A minute go. to go, Mundine, needs to be mobile. Weaves oh, under that right hook nicely, down to the body, up to the head. Zarafa clips Mundine, down he
0: goes. You know, fought for, for three-plus world titles, one of the biggest names in, in sport history for Australia. You know, to go out there and beat him in you know, I think it was sixty seconds or something in the first round was, like I said, you know, definitely past his best. I wouldn't say I fought a prime mundine. But um for me if I could afford him in his prime I'd I would have loved it. But unfortunately just the mm. age difference, I, I missed out on that opportunity. But like I said, I went out there and it was for a title. You know, he came out and said he was gonna knock out Michael Zarafa and and you know, I was the number one champion. He goes, oh, I I wanna fight Zarafa. You know, zarafa's the man at the moment, I wanna beat him. So the tables turned. And you know and my, my hero became, you know, one of my enemies. So it was good. And he went out there and I ended up knocking him out in the first round, in the first minute. And, um, you know, he, he retired after that. And oh, I seen out that dream. What's it like knocking out your hero, though? Is he still your hero? 100%. Well, I actually panicked for the first maybe 20 seconds because I got the ring and then I was like, oh, man, this is mundane. And then... <laughs> He was just staring at me, and I was like, oh, here we go. And then the first jab I, I threw, he slipped, and then he popped me back with another jab. I was like, oh, no, it's going to be a long night. I said, here we go. And then I just I refocused, got back to being present, and then about 30 seconds later, I ended up knocking him out. Um, you know, to see him out the way I knocked him out, because it was a big right hand, and, you know, he was out out on his feet, lying on the canvas, looking up at the ceiling. Um, you know, they should have put his sponsors on his shoes, but sadly they weren't. <laughs> but, um, Look, you know, it was pretty. It was pretty sad to see him go out like that. But again, you know, cannot take away his accomplishments, regardless of what people think of him or what he's said in the past. Anthony Mundine truly is the man, and um, I've got nothing but love and respect for him.
2: Yeah, do I mean, do you catch up and and stay in touch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still talk him still.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We still talk. We we we, um you know, give each other a call every now and then, and, and touch base. And when he's down in Melbourne, and even when I fought Hardman, he was in. He came up to to Crown in Melbourne and it was in my my hotel room just chilling out with us and just, you know, he passed on, you know, an ancient rock, um, you know, for for his tribe and stuff like that for me as a good luck thing. And, um, yeah, man, we're good friends now.
2: Yeah. Can you talk us through your preparation for – uh, a fight? Are you one of those um, uh, people that believes in a you know in a in a process almost down to an OCT sort of level? Do you have you have your rituals that you have to do? A certain song has to play at this time, or you know you have to lace your foot, your left boot before the right. You know you hear of all sorts of little quirky things that that people who are in your sort of sport uh, have to do uh, before they're ready to to go in and compete. Are you one of those people?
0: No, not really. I mean. <sighs> I, I am when I, like I got a thing with my socks and my boots. The way I tie my socks yeah. and boots, the way they go on, one's higher than the other. The way I tie the bow, is is different. I mean, it's a little strange, but yeah, I, I guess I have that as my every fight routine that I keep the same. But leading into a fight, I just and I say this to everybody. You know, people see from the outside, they're like, oh, you know, you got to wing it. I just wing it, you know, because mm. how can you plan for the unexpected? You know, especially in my sport. Uh, you know, if you wake up one morning and you, you're like, oh, you know, the night before I'm going to do a 10K run, but then you wake up and your legs are absolutely killing, you know, or you've got a bit of a chest infection or you've got a migraine or something. So you you basically plan it as I go. You know, I've got I've got what needs to be done, but sometimes things happen, things change. You know, and if you start putting too hard on yourself, you're just putting unwanted stress uh, on the body and on the mind, which, you know, isn't good going into fight time. So for me, I just listen to the body Um You know, and and I always want to be the first in the last out in the gym. That's a must. But um, I just wing it. You know, people say, I want to go in there and I want to watch this and watch my opponent and I want to do this on training. I say, man, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Hmm. And I just get up and enjoy it.
2: And what about when you're actually in the moment, when you're in the fight and, you know, you've got a crowd raging and roaring (laughs) around you. There's so much noise and there's people just, you know, yelling out all sorts uh, at you and your opponent. I mean, are you just oblivious to all of that? Is it just white noise in the background? Like, what's your mindset when you're actually in there, just fighting for your life?
0: Yeah, well, working with my sports psychologist, like I've got to a point now where when I walk out, I can I can't actually hear anything, and it's it's yeah. so weird. People are like, what do you mean? Like, it's a crowd of ten thousand people, twenty thousand people. How do you not hear anything? I said, oh, I wish I could tell you. I said, oh, I just I hear, just like noise. I don't hear what's going on. I don't hear any booing. I don't hear. I just hear noise. And, um, you know, that's just being present. I get in the ring and I'm so focused on what needs to be done. But again, I just, round by round, I just take it round by round. You know, I don't think about round four when it's round one. I come back mm. to every corner and I just say to myself, I literally say to myself in my head, one more round, Mick. Let's go one more round. You know, it's round round two. We can go one more round. It's the last round, but we'll, wanna go, we'll go one more round. All right, let's go one more round. And I tell that to myself every time I'm talking. Round eight, one more round. Twelve round's in and the fight's done. Yeah, My hand raised.
2: Well, hopefully your hand will be raised uh, in the coming months because, uh, as I say, you've got your opportunity to claim that uh, that world title. Um, tell us about your opponent and how you're going to beat him.
0: Well, I told you he uh, he's been already facetiming me now, and he's been sending me on um, like TikToks and Instagram or that, and. He... <laughs> He reckons he's um he's been tweeting about. Me. He reckons he's going to come to Australia and knock me out, and he's going to come to Mexico and knock me out. He's going to come to America and knock me out. I said, mate, the thirty before you thought the th- thought the same, and thirty fell short. You know, I said so. Just make sure you bring some toothpicks to get the leather out your teeth once I knock you out. <laughs> so, for me, I, 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 I he's he's a walk forward kind of guy. He's strong. He just wants to knock everybody out, but he's got an IQ of a of a P. So, <laughs> for me, like I said, you know. I, mean, I, I said to him, I said, I'm going to hit you with that many lefts, you'll be begging me for a right. <laughs> uh,
2: again, with the banter, I love the lines. I'm knocking Brilliant. him out. He's going
0: to sleep. I told him, put your sponsors on the bottom of your shoes, brother, because you're going to be on your back looking up.
2: Yeah. Uh, and again, as I mentioned earlier, you had those three goals. The second one was to, uh, to hear uh, the famous ringside announcer call out your name. You've achieved that more than once. So this is the third one. If you tick that off, um, do you feel like you will have then climbed the mountain? You'll be at the top of 100%. that
0: mountain. And I say to everybody, and, and, and what I are you going to see on the other side? A hundred percent. I say to everybody, the mountain. You know, that's why there's a point on the top of a mountain. It's only, it's only, there's only, a, there's only room for one person on the top. You know, the yep. bottom of a mountain, there's a thousand people. You know, and as you as you climb in the mountain, it gets more narrow. You know, it gets harder. You know, there's less room. But uh, on the top of the mountain, there's only one spot for one person, and that's where I'll be standing. You know come come fight time, and I truly believe I'll beat him, you know, and I just I don't even care what he's going to bring, I just know what I can bring, you know, I know how tough I am physically, mentally, emotionally, I know how fast I am um and if you don't have that belief, you know then there's no point of giving it a crack, you know and mm. for me, like I said, unless he catches me with a big shot, which can happen, you know, and if he I say that to everybody, if he knocks me out, then he deserves to win, but i'm coming to i'm I'm coming to take his ears off.
2: And when you're at the top of that mountain, just to continue with the with the metaphor, um, do you do you dare start looking down and looking at uh, um, what life might be like after boxing, or is um, it the case if you just want to stay on the top of that mountain for as long as you
0: can? Look, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to always stay on top of the mountain, you know, but you know, there's new there's new young guns coming up the rankings, you know, there's young guns trying to take my head off now, and they just can't, you know. So eventually, there's a time where you have to hang them up, and, and, and you know give back and that's what I want to do you know I mean I want to for me it's not about me it's about everybody else you know I want to show everybody that I was just a local kid that chased the dream you know that gave back that beat all adversities I'm human you know I, I get up some mornings and don't want to go on with the day because it's hard you know, life's tough you know you you, you have roadblocks you know you get setbacks but just keep pushing through them you know like I said you yeah, having to bury one of my sparring partners and then three weeks four weeks after that I had to you know, bury one of my good mates, Shane Tuck, who took his own life for Richmond AFL player. You know, so I went through a period of my life where it was just dark. You know, then I had the loss with Jeff Horn, then I had the whole Tim Zoo saga that you know affected me badly for 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 something that wasn't even true. You know, and for the, for the last three years, I felt like you know God was against me. But like I said, there's light at the end of the tunnel. A bad day can only last for 24 hours, and that's what I'm here. I'm here to set an example and show people that anything can be done, no matter what. As long as you believe in yourself and you believe on where you're going and what needs to be done, nothing else is, everything else is irrelevant.
2: Michael Zarafik, good luck um, when you do take uh, that final step towards uh, becoming a world champion. Um, we know the whole country will be uh, right behind you, willing you on, and uh, yeah, we're all hoping uh, that you reach uh, the summit uh, that you've been aiming for. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We appreciate it.
0: I appreciate it, man. I love everything you do, man. You're an absolute legend. God bless you.
2: Thank you, Michael. All the best. You've listened to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR in this episode uh, with boxing champ Michael Zarafa. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.